0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to You Are Beautiful. And if you didn't hear it today already, let me say it to you right now. You are wait for it beautiful that's right my name is Lawrence Zarian but since we are going to be instant fast friends you can call me LZ on this podcast some of my uh, closest friends from television film movies influencers designers they're going to be here with me with us talking about how they feel what makes them feel beautiful and when they look in the mirror what do they see it's going to be a fun ride trust us, trust me, and let's have some fun. Hey, and by the way, let me say it again. You are beautiful. And one more thing. You are beautiful is brought to you by the vibrant doc, Dr. Stacy J. Stevenson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of You Are Beautiful with Lawrence Zarian. And when you say the word beautiful, what name comes to mind? Jesse Tyler Ferguson. See, you're welcome. How good is that? very nice Nice little setup a nice little i teed it up jesse it is so good to see you number one number two i've been around in this business for a long time and there's so many people that i've met along the way on this journey and there are people that i've met and i've been very friendly with and they see me and they just walk by and then there are other people there are other people that walk by and stop and always are always so kind and you and justin are always so kind and lovely Aww. to me. And I, I just want you to know that kindness goes a very long way. Well, thank you. I
1: mean, it is hard in Hollywood when you meet so many people because like you don't sure if you're like, if you recognize someone from like a TV show or a casual encounter, or if like, you, you know, so I, I still don't have that moment of panic. So I try and be nice to almost everyone I meet, but it is always very good to see you. Thank you. I try to lead with generosity. <laughs>
0: I do too, but let me ask you this then. So what do you do? You know, It's fortunate when people come up to me and say, oh my God, I just saw you on the Kelly Clarkson show. Remember we, Mm -hmm. and they have such a recollection of us together. And there are times that more times than not, I remember them, but on that off chance that I don't, number one, I always feel awful. Number two, I then feel, gosh, I'm getting old. And number three, I don't want anybody to ever feel as if they haven't been seen. Right. How do you navigate that because your celebrity is it's such a big space. How do you navigate that?
1: You know, it's it's tricky and I have to let myself off the hook a lot because there are times when I don't remember meeting someone and I just remind myself that I've been in their shoes before and you know, especially when I was first starting off and I was in Hollywood and I was meeting all these people that were people I looked up to and admired and You know, I had varying degrees of encounters with people. Like sometimes it went really great and sometimes it didn't go great. And I try and like remember how it made me feel. And you know, I'm also very open. If I don't remember meeting someone, I tend to admit that and be like, I'm so sorry. Like, I like remind me where we we know each other from and try and connect with them anew. (laughs) It's hard because, you know, I definitely experienced it. I I just ran into Martin Short the other day at a um, premiere, my friend Dan Levy's premiere. And I don't think he remembers meeting me, even though he saw me and take me out. And he was really wonderful afterwards. But I was like, I was in a baseball cap and I'm at, it's out of context. And, you know, he was lovely, but I could tell for a moment when I was coming in for a hug, he's like, I have no idea who this is and you know that that's okay that's okay like i uh he was generous and wonderful and it's happened to all of us and it'll happen again i'm sure i don't know i just i don't want to make anyone feel bad or unseen like you said i don't
0: either and it's it's always so tricky because the one thing you don't want to do is make anybody feel bad and then sometimes it happens and you know i i think in life more so than ever which is what spawned this podcast is i think people want to be seen and i think we've all had this moment of clarity whether restart, refresh, renew. You know, I'm not the same person post-pandemic. I just am completely different on what I do, how I live, the way I treat other people. And I think more so now because of what we've gone through, people are very sensitive and we're all still navigating through that. So the whole point of the podcast was to see who you are through new eyes now. And the podcast is called You Are Beautiful. So let me ask you this. When you look in the mirror, what do you see that is beautiful
1: for you. I see, well, I've had a year of change this year and so I've I've been working on myself a lot and some of the reason why I decided to do that was because my parents are getting older and my mom specifically is, you know, not doing as well as she used to and a lot of it's because she, you know, kind of didn't take great care of herself, so I'm doing things that I feel like I can do that I still have a handle on. And one of the things is I'm, I'm drinking much less alcohol, and I'm you know trying to work out and stay healthy. So I'm when I look at myself in the mirror, I just see a lot of the hard work that I've put into myself over the, over the past year. You know that also goes into you know just my mental health as well. I I have opened up myself to the option of um, you know using medication if I need if I need it to help me feel better with the help of my therapists and doctors and It's something I always sort of had a stigma around, but then, you know, kind of gave into and thought, well, let me just try this and see if it sort of helps me with my anxiety. And it has, and I feel like I'm a happier person. And, you know, as I'm also a father of two now, and my youngest is just over a year old, you start living your life thinking about being around for them. And I know I'm doing a much better job. Right now, at being a present father than I was, you know, a year ago, and I hope to only become more present and more just available to them. Uh, so I, I see myself as um, someone who's improved, and I'm really proud of my improvements. And that's why I put a hat on. It's like I got a hair transplant. You know, it's still healing. Okay, hold on. First of all, number one,
0: you know I have an identical twin brother named Gregory. Number one. Number two. I think we're identical twins because everything you just said and everything you're experiencing, honest to God, you're good, I was talking to Will about, I wasn't talking about your parents uh, yeah, <laughs> because I, I don't know them. I wasn't talking about them, but I want to learn more about Robert and Anne, number one. Number two, I literally appreciate your transparency because Will said, how are you this year? And I said, 2023 has probably been one of the toughest years of my life because I as well sought the help of a therapist, and now I'm taking medication for anxiety mm-hmm. that I've never, ever had. And I didn't want to take anything. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then it just gets to this dark place. Yeah. And I can't do it anymore. And I feel like the volume has been turned down. Is that how you feel?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was one, something I, I was... You know, reluctant to start using for many reasons. One of them is just because I didn't want you know my capacity to access emotions to be deadened. Just because that's what my my job asks of me. And I started taking it actually when I was doing the run of the play last winter in New York. I was doing a play on Broadway, and I was very nervous about it. Take me out, and you won a Drama Log Award. (laughs) Thank you. It required me to sort of be very um, accessible to my emotions. And um, I was very nervous to start taking medication that I was afraid would maybe deaden that or or make me have to like, you know, manifest it in like a false way. But, you know, it, you start off slow and you have the help of a, a doctor and a therapist. And it, I, I felt like I was in good hands with them. You know, I had noticed that I've been having more panic attacks around things that I I couldn't really control and it did sort of feel like at some point where I'm, I'm going to have to address this and really think about this in a more serious way. Like it's not enough for me to just meditate. I feel like I have to, you know, really look at like why this is happening. And so I was very open to trying something new.
0: I love that you're talking about it. It's an interesting thing and one of the things that I love about social media, I love about Facebook, I love about Instagram is People are feeling free to share where they're at. I've been sober now for over 18 and a half years, and I was never ashamed of it. I was always very public about it because one of the things that you do when you're an addict is you hide. Mm-hmm. You hide the secrets. You hide the darkness. You hide the trauma. You hide You hide the horror. But if you talk about it, somebody will say, me too. Yeah. Oh my God, I feel the same. And as soon as you just said what you said... I felt my energy drop a little bit. And I felt myself <laughs> take a deep breath because we don't know each other. We're always friendly right. with each other, but it's sort of now another layer that we can relate to. And it's not so scary yeah. because we're not alone.
1: Right. Obviously you can find connections with people that are also going through similar things. We can help one another out through that. It also just makes, I think, you know, as a society, we we need to try and destigmatize you know a lot of these things and talking about things that have a lot of stigma around them like mental health I think it's very important. Kristen Bell um who's on my my podcast you know that was what she sort of led with and so we t- ended up talking about that for most of the hour that we were together and it was so helpful and a lot of that that information she gave me I, I went back and listened to the episode and I was like wow there's a lot of really great advice here for someone who's sort of at the beginning of that journey and it's because she's been through it and she's been on the other side of it and she was very open to talking about Her experience with it, and it was extremely helpful. I was like, "Well, if this is helping me, there's you know many more people listening to this episode." I'm I'm just thrilled that she was so honest with with me, so that other people could benefit from it. So I'm hoping I'm I'm, you know giving back. (laughs)
0: Look, and again, as a celebrity, and I love the title of your podcast, "Dinners on Me." I think that's fantastic. What you're doing though is you're allowing people this ability to not feel so alone and so isolated. Because as a celebrity, as a star, if you're struggling or you're on that journey as well, if they can do it, I can do it as well. So then let me ask you this then, because life is so different, you know, in the day when our parents were growing up, when our parents were living their life, nothing was discussed. Mm-hmm. You, I, like, we did not say a word. When you were being brought up by your parents, Robert and Anne. and do, are they still in, I've always wanted to say this, Missoula? Are they still in Missoula, Montana? <laughs>
1: no, I was born in Missoula, but then raised in Albuquerque. So I, we, I moved at okay. the age of one to Albuquerque, or we moved around a little bit, but I was basically raised in Albuquerque, yeah. And my mom lives here in... Uh, California now. My dad's still in Albuquerque. What did your parents say about when you said
0: to them, hey, you know, mom and dad, I'm going to just layer this into my life. I, I need to do this. Did they have any attachment to it? What was their guidance?
1: You know, I don't actually even know if I've had the discussion with my dad about it. It's just never came up naturally. My mom and I have talked about it because she herself ended up using some help and she's gotten some medical help for her mental health as well. So she's been very open about that. So I kind of, you know, felt very comfortable talking to her about it. And, you know, my husband, Justin's also, you know, has needed help in the past and he's, you know, someone that I can also talk to about it. So I just, I felt very supported by, by them. I, and I know my dad would probably, you know, be equally supportive. I think, you know, he's, he certainly wants me to be happy and healthy and, um, it's just never been something that's naturally come up. <laughs> Is a kid growing up? Did you always know that you were gay? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know necessarily what that meant in a bigger picture, but I knew that even before I kind of knew what being gay was. I knew that I, I was sort of different. You know, I mean, it was—it's a thing I noticed it now with kids. Now, you know, with with Beckett, who's now three and a half, and you know, if he's if he's friends with a. A girl at school, you know, everyone's like, oh, is this your girlfriend? I'm like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't like to do that. I like, let's not set like, you know, put any sort of like, you know, labels on these friendships, like he, he, let him just have a friend who's a girl. It doesn't need to be his girlfriend. But that would happen when I was a kid too. And like, I was like, oh, I don't feel like I want a girlfriend. Like, that's not what I want. I also wasn't looking for a boyfriend either, but like, I just, I just knew that a girlfriend was, you know, the thing that people were sort of pushing on me was something that I was not interested in. So, you know, I I had awareness of being different, but I don't think I really necessarily knew how to categorize it.
0: You mentioned Beckett, the names you've given (laughs) your children are like, my name is Lawrence Surge. My parents gave their kids proper names, Vincent Leon and Gregory William Lawrence Serge, Beckett
1: Mercer And Sullivan Louie
0: are such good names. How did you guys come to those
1: names? Well, we were married on Mercer Street in New York, Mm. Justin and I. So Mercer was actually an option for Beckett's first name. And then we decided to go with it as a middle name. So Beckett Mercer. Then when we were expecting our second kid, we had a list of names and we were again in New York City and he was arriving in like two weeks and we hadn't really landed on a name yet. So we started talking about it and I pulled out my little list of my, you know, on my notes, my notes app on my phone and we were looking at all different names and kept talking about the name Sullivan. And then we looked up and we realized we were walking on Sullivan Street in New York. Stop it. So we thought that was the universe telling us that, that was that was the name to go with. And we kinda of love that they each have these street names in New York as part of their name. So that's where it came from.
0: I would say moving to New York, you know, the fundamental difference between Gregory and I. Yeah
1: is New York City. New York City will change your
0: yeah. life. You have no choice other than to survive. So the fact that their names are sort of steeped yeah. in those uh, streets is pretty fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love that little Easter egg in their their names, for sure. I always find it fascinating for a performer to find out that moment. what You were eight, you were in Albuquerque. What was that moment? What did you see when the light went off and something inside of you sparked like, I want to be a performer. What was that moment for you?
1: I just remember my mom taking me to go see something and I sat in the audience watching. It was a kid's, it was uh, the Albuquerque Children's Theater. And so it was children performing for other children. And I was in the audience and I remember thinking, I want to be on the other side of the footlights. I want to be on stage. I want to be the one doing that. And it really surprised my mom because I was very shy. I was very introverted. And I think that, you know, she looked at that as an opportunity for, I mean, I, I see the same thing with my kids, like any spark of, you know, joy that they find in something. I'm like, well, yeah, let's nurture that. Let's like fan that flame. So I think she really noticed that, you know, this is something that's, was sparking some excitement in me. And so she enrolled me into this program. And I ended up being a part of it, the Albuquerque Children's Theater for, I don't know, four or five years and uh, getting to be one of the actors on stage. And it was just, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends. And I went to Catholic grade school and high school. Both the schools I went to were, you know, very see- seeped in religion. And, you know, that was hard for me as a, as a kid who felt a little different. And then also, you know, there was not a great arts program in either one of those schools. They were very, you know, sports were the things that, that, that they offered if you wanted to do anything extracurricular. And so I joined this other thing outside of my school. And I found my people, like I, even at that young age, like these other kind of wacky kids who like to pretend to be other things and, you know, uh, do theater games. And I just felt, oh, I'm comfortable around this type of energy and this sort of creative energy. And it wasn't what I was getting at school, or at least there was no space for other people to discover that about themselves at school.
0: I also love the fact that your mom Saw something that meant something to you and encouraged that. Yeah. My parents didn't know how to do it differently. I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember vividly for some reason, everybody was out of the house and it was just me and my dad. I was nine years old and we had this big sort of terrazzo dance room right next to the grand dining room. It was this house that was big and they had these rooms. And I was like, I'm going to show you something, dad. So I pulled out the big chair. I sat my dad in the middle of the chair and I went and I per- put on some music and i just started to dance yeah. and i was dancing at the at the uh, dancing and performing and i remember my dad vividly i did this big jump and i saw my dad's mouth drop <laughs> open and i thought oh he didn't get it so i went bigger <laughs> and i just If he could do it differently, my dad and I are at such a good place. He said, if I could have done all of it differently, I would have. So, page turned. But I saw this look on his face, and it was surprise. I'm sure there was a layer of, I don't want to say disgust, of disappointment, confusion, Mm. not anything of that. And I remember it stuck with Mm -hmm. me. As I got older, both parents very supportive of me on TV and all of that. But I remember as a kid, if that would have been nurtured, yeah, I would have performed on Broadway. Oh, I would have been, yeah. I would have done that yeah, because that whenever confidence. I see a Broadway show, I'm like, I it it's it's part of it. Yeah, so I'm glad that your mom did that for you, and then you get to do that for your yeah. kids to take
1: that kernel and help it grow. Yeah, and my dad certainly was very supportive as, as well, but she was the one that was sort of you know. In charge of, I think, you know, finding things for the kids to do. And that was the thing that I wanted to do. And it's nice now also because it paid off in such a great way for me. Like I have gone on to do yeah. theater and, you know, on Broadway and like I've been part of, you know, Emmy award winning TV shows. And it's, it's really cool for me to see my parents also enjoy that ride with me because, you know, they were a part of that. They, they nurtured that, that early yeah. talent. And I think, you know, I don't know if they always give themselves credit for it. So it's fun to see them, you know, Enjoy the success as well. Is your grandmother still living? Because I know she was a role model of yours. She's not. I was named after her, Jesse, who's my my dad's mom. None of my grandparents are, are living uh, anymore, but I, I did. I was very close with her, yes. Did she get to see some of the success? Did she get to see you on television and all of that? I know she definitely saw me do uh, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Beyond Broadway, and she got to see anything I did before that, but that was like the last theater i remember her saying and you know it was a that was a big hit in new york and she got to come see the show and i remember her being so excited by people wanting my autograph after the show like that was to her just mind-blowing i don't remember if she saw any of modern family i've maybe she saw some early seasons she was a little tricky around like the gay thing mm-hmm And I think by the end of her life, she knew that I was gay, but like it wasn't something to be talked about. And it didn't really seem like something I needed to talk to her about. It sort of felt like, what's the point now? Like why, why walk the boat too much? Like I'm not going to have too much time with her. I don't really want to. It's not, I don't feel like I need that moment with her. Like I, I I think she understands and I understand that's enough, but doing a role on TV, because I do think she might probably was around at the beginning seasons, you know, where I was playing an openly gay person on national television. It wasn't something we talked about, but I think she was also really proud that I was doing what I love doing and I was in everyone's living rooms doing it. And I think also showing people a real relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I think that was the part of Modern Family that I love the most. That was what made it so joyful. So let me ask you this, and why did everybody love Mitchell and Cameron so much? What was it about them that resonated so much with
1: the viewer? It's so interesting because when the show started, they kept talking about how revolutionary this was. And I was like, God, it just, I mean, you know, someone who lives their life being gay and looking for meaningful relationships. I was like, God, that's, this is really that revolutionary. But I guess it was, you know, when you're talking about representation on television, because I was thinking back, I was like, well, there hasn't really been a, a couple on television who like you meet them when they're like, they've been together for five years and they're bringing home an adopted kid together. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're dropped right into the middle of this relationship. You're not, Seeing a courtship, it's like this is a couple that's been around for a long time. They're they're starting parenthood together, and this is something that was incredibly relatable to a lot of people. You know, I certainly now as a newish parent, I was like, wow. I mean, I can only imagine. You know, straight and gay couples were watching this couple navigate what it means to be parents and recognized so many things in themselves. Whether it's you know, for how to ferberize a child or like how to you know. Uh, Divvy up, you know, responsibilities between the parents. Like, I think that there were universal themes and they just happened to be told to the the characters that happened to be gay. It was also 2009. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the
0: lightning speed, I think a lot of things, no matter what we're talking about, are moving so quickly. Mm -hmm. I think where people are getting anxious is not having time to get caught up. Yeah. I mean, catch up. But the way, the way modern family was so revolutionary for me is, you know, okay, we're gonna pick this show up mid-story. Like your story had already started. Right. Like and I think that's where we eased into it beautifully. But now everything is so fast. Right. I think people are trying to get caught up and that's where the concern comes from. Right. Yeah. You might be right. I think the casting of Eric and I in those roles. What was that audition process? Cause I'm sure you all went through a, Chemistry mm-hmm. on that show. I always wanted to knock on the door and go, Hi, I'm a new neighbor. And yes, I'll be gay or I'll be like, I wanted to be a part of yeah. that community. What was that casting process like?
1: You know, it's interesting because there was never any, any sort of chemistry read for the entire family. It was just, I think, between the, the certain couples. And, you know, Ed O'Neill and Sophia were direct offers because Sophia had a development deal and Ed was at O'Neill and he's not going to audition. So like they were just sort of put together and we were like, let's hope for the best. But with Eric and I specifically, there was a lot, I mean, I was Eric loves when I tell people this, but it's true. I was cast first and we, I kind of got to go on the process (laughs) of like finding cam with the cast director and the creators. And so like, I basically was like put on speed dates with, with these other, candidates you know in front of a camera to do like these chemistry reads and i read with a lot of different actors of all different shapes and sizes and colors and some gay some straight and like it was you know when eric came in it was it definitely felt different but also i was at that point you know on to like he was like my ninth or tenth cam that i read with so i was like i don't know anymore like i left it up to the the casting director and the, the creators to sort of figure out what was going to work best. And when they landed on Eric, I was like, oh, that's a really interesting choice. Like I, we hadn't really explored anyone else like him. And, you know, I think him being straight in real life for me, I was like, okay, well, I hope this goes well, (laughs) you know, That it's a little risky. Like I would, I think you probably, if you, if, if I was honest with myself, and I don't think you know Eric would be surprised by this. Is you know at the beginning I was probably kind of wishing that they had gone with the gay actor just because I think it would have been easier to have that shorthand. But Eric came in with such generosity and desire to get this right, and asked all the right questions, and rooted that character in his mom, who is a very real person for him and a very real archetype and it just kind of worked and i think it made him very relatable and like you know for as is stereotypical as any of the characters on any sitcom are i think you know there was a lot of truth to all those characters as well it's tricky because it's a hard line to to we we all had to walk that tightrope of being stereotypes of these these people because the audiences truly don't want you to change that much you know And you only have 22 minutes per episode, but at the same time, you want to find places for growth and change. And it's it's a tricky balance. And I feel like Eric and I did a really great job with that. I think all the actors on Modern Family did a great job with that.
0: What do you miss the most about playing Mitchell?
1: I I don't know if I miss anything about playing him. It's more about the relationships I had on the show with, with the cast and the crew. And that's what I really miss. And, you know, as an actor, you're just never given steady work. You know, a, a steady job is not something that comes around a lot. So I, I miss that sort of just stability of knowing where I'm going to be next next year you know i i I had there's there was certainty in that but as far as like the the character itself like mitchell i think why it was so easy for me to play is because he's not too different from who i am so there wasn't a huge acting challenge there but he was a joy to play because i got to feel like i was airing out myself and also drawing myself and making him you know he was a fully realized creature because he was me and i really do miss The accessibility that I brought to other gay kids, like that, you know, growing up, I didn't have people on television that were aspirational for me, that were gay, that were had, that were in relationships, and I know that Eric and I provided that for other people, and so I really miss being able to be that person. But the show lives on, and you know, and and reruns. But you were a part of a community, so let me ask you this then: because you create history, if you were going
0: to be trapped on a desert island, mm. which one of your co-stars would you bring with you and why?
1: Oh, God. Oh, I might have to be Julie. Although Julie would probably drive me crazy after a while and I her. <laughs> oh, God. There's pros and cons to all of us, truly.
0: <laughs> okay. If your car breaks down in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, shit, I need someone to come get me for my flat well, tire, that's who would you call
1: that's actually... I don't I was, know if it's Cam, but it's Eric. He would do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> For sure. As I said earlier, I think we're twins because I, as well, went to the American Academy of Oh, Play. you did? And it was... I didn't go to the New York. There was one in Pasadena. I went to... Graduated Glendale High School. Went to Glendale High. Glendale High, then Glendale College. And then I'm sure my dad remembered that whole moment in the living room. And I'm like, Dad, I just want to go to the Academy. I went... And they were very I loved it. I loved it. I loved the singing. I love the dancing. I love the acting. But they were very specific. You cannot do any outside performances. Oh. That is forbidden. And I was given an opportunity to do MAME with Lucille Ball. <gasps> oh, wow. For the Thalians. With with in celebration of Robert Preston. And I didn't know what MAME was. Lucille Ball was my was my idol. Wow. So I jumped at it. Yes. And I'll just tell you this quickly. Um, I completely lied to everybody at school so I could go do this big performance. And I was so excited about working with Lucy. And because of my height, I was in the middle and I was a dancer. So I was so excited to perform with Lucio Ball. And when I found out it was Lucy and we're doing Mame and, um, you cooked yeah. Mame. I literally, I was so in it. And then we get it all rehearsed. We're ready to go. And then they bring in Lucy. I didn't know what Mame was. I didn't know that Lucy was coming. So then she comes in the door and. I got so excited, I did a, a grand jeté, <laughs> and I ripped out both groin muscles. Oh, no. Because no. I was showing Lucille Ball how good I was. It was the best grand jete I've ever done in my life. And the worst. I roll on the floor, the worst. And Anna White, award-winning Anna White, who was the choreographer, said to me, you can't be in the show now. <gasps> and I said to her, with tears streaming down my face, I said, please let me do this one-time full performance with Lucy. So everybody gave in. We do the whole production. We do the whole run of the number. And then I get on the floor, and I go down on one knee, and I pop my uh, top hat, and uh, it's maim. And tears are streaming down my face. Lucy Ball stops. She wipes the tears around, away from my eyes, and she said, thank you. Oh. It's my my That's story. That's incredible. So I would give it all away for that. But I never went back to the academy because word got out that I had You'd worked done that. Yes. Now, how long were
1: you at the academy? Did you stay for all three years? Yes, yeah, I did. I actually, um, I I went through the summer, so it sort of expediated the the process. So I was able to actually, I think, graduate in just under two years. And it's lucky because I got my my first opportunity, well, my first New York opportunity, which was I'm um, in the cast of On the Town at the Delacorte Theater, directed by George C. Wolf. Betty Comden and Adolph Green were still Stop. alive and kicking, and you know, at all of our rehearsals, I auditioned for them and. <sighs> You know, that happened in 1997. So if I'd gone to a regular program or a four year program, I don't think that opportunity would have come to me. I wouldn't have been available. So I think it all worked out for the right reasons.
0: What is it like? Because I never got that chance. What is it like taking a bow on a Broadway stage? Let me live vicariously through (laughs) you right now. What does that feel like?
1: Uh, I mean, it's it is really special i i yeah, it's hard to, it's it, i don't know it's hard to like I, I have a different feeling about it i'm sure when i g- gave a bow during on the town back in 1997 than i did you know giving a bow at during take me out you know last year just cuz i'm a different person but i even even last year when that happened you know there is it was also very charged because we were we were reopening broadway after the pandemic so though i remember that very first bow after our very first performance when Broadway was still, you know, kind of struggling and we were one of the first shows to bring Broadway back, that was a very, very meaningful, it felt bigger than just taking a bow after a show and and having an audience applaud for you. It was almost like we were all like, okay, we survived this together. And that was a very, very profound moment. So obviously all, all bows are not as charged as that, but that, that really sticks out in my memory.
0: I bet, you know, it was the second time because Take Me Out premiered in 2003 and then it came back again. So- there was so much press around it. And there was just and it, I was so disappointed by it because it then sort of made it so dirty. There was so much press also about the nudity. Yeah. And all of that. First of all, as a gay man, how do you not look? Number one. <laughs> number two, I, I mean, I was like, I look, Jesse Williams is the reason that I watched Grey's Anatomy. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, my God. He's like stunning. I, oh my God. Like I'm like, I'm torn. I want to go see the show, but I want to go see all of it. But then I felt like, you know you can have many emotions about one thing. Did you look a, B? <laughs> how do you then navigate through that? And what did you think about how it's just you and I just, uh, yeah, just yeah, and everyone me. listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: You're very cute. You're so red right uh, now. You're the cutest thing right now. i want to give you the biggest hug right uh, now.
1: How do I navigate that, basically? How did you navigate it? Well, I mean, I'd seen the play in 2003, and so I knew that it, you know, I, I saw it as an audience member, and I was very aware of all the nudity, and that's something that the, the play has always been kind of known for and famous for. I also knew that my character was nowhere near those scenes. I wouldn't have to be on stage with any naked people, and also all of my scenes were with Jesse Williams, and they were these sort of beautiful, these very eloquent, beautiful speeches to deliver to to Jesse. And the first thing that became very obvious to me, and I knew Jesse a little bit before starting work on the play, but I was just so taken with him as a person, as a as a fellow actor. I we really developed a very. Deep bond between the two of us. So you know when when it did to get to that point where we were in the theater and they're like, okay, we're going to rehearse some of these shower scenes and we're going to do it with the water. So everyone needs to you know take off. It's, we're doing it for real. And you know I was there and I sat in the audience and I I I, I watched because I was like, you know, I, I need to be able to. Uh, this this uh, this audience is going to be full of strangers at some point. I'm sure, like, they'd, they'd rather someone that they trust watch this and let them know how it looks and everything. And everyone asks, like, how does it look? How does the water look? What's the lighting like? They are all they all want to know how they look on stage. I'm like, y'all look great. It's really tastefully done. And, you know, so, yeah, I did watch it. And then, you know, you, you develop this bond with this cast and it becomes obviously so much more... And we had spent on and off almost three years together. And so I, I remember watching the shower scenes from The Wings on the final performance. Just And you know, it, it did get to that point, I know it's going to sound like I'm probably lying, but I wasn't really seeing their naked bodies. I was watching this beautiful piece that they put together. The language in these scenes was so rich and their performances had grown so much. I feel like there's double entendres to everything I'm saying, but I say their performances have grown so much. No, I saw. No, these, I heard. I listened. These beautiful, beautiful, Beautiful performances. And, um, I just, I, I was so proud of them. And it was a a very tight company. And I know we would always joke that if we ever did it again, we would add a, a, a shower scene for my character as well. So that we could all be on an even playing field. And I guaranteed them that no audience would needs to see that, but an incredible cast of guys. And they were remarkable and, and quite brave for you know doing that so when there was so much press about the nudity I sort of was also bummed out because you know it's these nine fantastic brilliant actors and that's you know they, no one should be deduced to like how you know big their penis is
0: <laughs> and the fact that that was what the dialogue was about that somebody took a picture of Jesse, Jesse's penis and, and it became about that and yeah as a gay man I think he's handsome as hell. I love looking at a gay man I love looking at a'm straight man I, I like looking yeah. at men. What bothered me the most in that is you're missing the point of it. Yeah. This play is about homophobia, racism, yeah. Yeah. vulnerability, exposing oneself. And I hate that a lot of that message was lost. Having said that, if Jesse's penis is the reason people went to go see the show and they walked out being
1: educated, well, penis, well done. Yeah. Then that was the point. My thing was if, if, you know, people are going to this play because of they hear about the nudity, you get really about five minutes of that total and then you're saddled with another two hours and thirty minutes of like intellectual dialogue. So you're gonna be very bored. If that's really the reason why you're going. Also, you know, the the one thing I was really bummed out for Jesse specifically and Michael Oberholter, who was also part of that whole thing that leaked, was the day that that leaked was the same day that the Tony nominations came out and, you know, Jesse was nominated for a Tony for his performance as well as was I, and as was Michael Oberholzer. And so the fact that it took anything away from that moment, Really breaks my heart for them because those performances deserved Tony nominations. They were complex and, and very layered and nuanced performances. And these performances were the reason that the show was as successful as it was. So that bummed me out that there was any sort of attention taken off of the great achievement that they had made as a cast.
0: Part of the show and it still sticks with me because I live it, is homophobia. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, I don't think anybody needs to shove their beliefs, their thoughts, their desires, whatever they want down somebody else's throat. I I don't believe that. I think it's a big world and everybody gets to live in their own own home. And unless we're sleeping together, I don't care what you do in your house. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, it's the homophobia that I find is so struggling. I have family members that are homophobic. Mm -hmm. And it is so tough. Like now. You're talking that it's now, you know, Mm -hmm. you live by example, you lead by example. And I feel that we as a society have come so far and then constantly pulled back. Nope, not going to happen. Don't believe it. Don't trust it. Can't, can't leave you alone with, can't leave you alone with it. So do you deal with any of that right now?
1: Yeah. I think always in some. I mean, a lot of it comes in the form of, you know, trolls on social media, which I try to ignore. It's always surprising when it happens because you're like, gosh, I mean, is that really coming from a place of belief or are they just saying that because they're behind this screen of protection? It's interesting. After Modern Family came out, I remember walking through a casino in Vegas with Justin. We were holding hands and Vegas is such a melting pot of people from all parts of the country. And there was a group of people that were walking toward us, and I could see that they saw these two men holding hands and they were kind of like, oh boy, here we go, and a little disgusted by it. And as they got closer, they realized it was me and they were suddenly excited because I was that guy from mm. the TV show that they watched. And it was really interesting watching them go through that change. And in a weird way, I guess in the moment, I probably felt like I had some strange armor on me that like was protecting me mm. against, like, you know, maybe some. Something that they might have said if I was just an anonymous person. And I feel like if I acknowledge that, then there might have been, I'm, th- I'm very hopeful that maybe in, in their own minds, they thought, Oh, that was interesting. I, why, why did I have that change, you know, in myself? Why did I, you know, see this gay couple coming toward me and have a moment of like disgust and then forgiveness? Once I realized one of them's a professional gay that I enjoy watching on television. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, it was a very weird thing to experience, like, it was such a quick change. I don't know why I told that story, but that's just like kind of like a perfect example of like how I kind of experience homophobia now. There's like a weird dual thing that's going on with people.
0: Look, look, I've been very, uh, you know, I worked on a show at Universal called Home and Family, and it was a discussion on how much of my personal life I would expose. And, you know, I've been here for, I've been in the business for 30 years. I've done what I've loved for 30 years. And there was a time I never, ever said the word gay. I wouldn't think it. When I was doing fashion segments, I'd flirt with the model on camera because I thought that's what I had to do. Mm. And the evolution now, and especially at Hallmark, then to slowly expose. I remember when I said something, we we're doing something about skydiving or facing your fears. And I said, well, when my boyfriend and I at the time, Sebastian, when I jumped out of a plane, that was huge for me. Mm-hmm. And over time, now I'm just me. And mm-hmm. I, it happens to be that I'm gay. And it happens to be that I'm a twin. It's not just my identity. But when people come up to me, it's never about that because they've been given this space of grace to understand and know that I'm more than just that. Mm. Having said that, I'm still staggered, confused by the hatred, as you said, out there. So let me ask you this. For some kid, someone young, someone old, anybody struggling with their sexuality, with their identity, anybody in the LGBTQ plus community that really just doesn't know how to take the next step, what advice would you give them? How would you hold their hand out of their darkness
1: i first would say you know it's something that i understand i also felt very alone as a young person in albuquerque and not feeling like anyone understood me i think the world is much more accessible now for good and bad you know social media does open up avenues for people to connect with other people and there is a world of people that are i think are are waiting with open arms to embrace you and love you fully for who you are you know back when i was a kid it was like well you gotta move to new york city or los angeles and like i don't think that's necessarily the case anymore i think that there's people there's communities available to the lgbtq community and especially lgbtq kids who are you know struggling i always say you know you you are loved you are enough as as you are and there's a whole community of people who are so excited to meet you and, and love you
0: First of all, beautiful, number one, to be seen, to know that you are loved. And you and Justin have been married for a while. You guys know a lot of the gay people. <laughs> I'm telling this to all my friends. They always say, put it out there. You have to introduce me to someone. I'm open. <laughs> I, I'm a catch. I'm a good guy. I'm fun. I couldn't be at a better place in my life. So look, I'm, okay, I'm telling you it. right now. I'm telling you and Justin. <laughs> I, I interviewed Sharon Stone a while back, and I'm like, Sharon? You know the gay people, yeah. <laughs> you know, you you know the single gay people. You gotta hook a brother up. What did she say? Well, I'm still single, so that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Number one, Sharon Stone is amazing and such a pioneer mm-hmm. and such a voice for our community. She's everything you want her to be, and yeah, she is delightful and smart and intelligent. And that is the one thing that I'm loving the most about this podcast because I've been on the red carpet forever, and you only have two minutes, yeah. three minutes. Yeah. But with this. I'll never do it in a studio because I, I like the fact that I'm, I've spent the last hour looking into your eyes, getting to know you and getting a sense of you. Let me just ask you this. How did, since I'm begging, please introduce me to somebody. <laughs> how did you meet Justin?
1: Modern Family had just started and his friends were telling him to, to watch the pilot and he was in law school at the time and was feeling very overwhelmed by you know studying for the, the bar. And I happened to go into the gym the day he finally gave in and watched the pilot i he happened to see me at the gym the equinox in west hollywood if you need if you need the specifics and we were in the locker room fully clothed i must say i i feel like everyone always assumes that it was in the steam room we were fully clothed i was leaving he was coming and he just said yeah i, I just watched the pilot and i think it's going to do really great things for lgbtq rights you know it was right in the midst of like Proposition 8 and us fighting for marriage equality, specifically in California. And he was working with a nonprofit that was funding that lawsuit. So he was very entrenched in, in working for the LGBTQ rights and specifically against Prop 8. And so he's like, this is gonna be great for so many reasons. And I heard that. But then I was also like, in my mind, like you're very handsome and I, you seem a little younger than me. So I was gathering information as to you, like, what's your name? How old are you? Like all that stuff. And I asked him out. Eventually we sort of stayed in touch on social media and he was seeing someone at the time. And so he told me he could go get a drink with me as, as a friend. And I said, I, I have enough friends. And I <laughs> I was nervous to say that, but I think he sort of responded to that is, you know, you know, I, I, I didn't want to waste my time on like a weird, ambiguous friendship with a kid who's 10 years younger than me and you know a- after time he ended up breaking up with his boyfriend and we ended up going out on a date and it's been wonderful ever since so that was we've been married 10 years now yeah and together almost 13 yeah number one
0: that how beautiful number one i love the fact that you were also honest and you were like i have enough friends yeah together you guys have also been such pioneers in same sex marriage and those things and i just want to point this out my father and I, you know, I always think that people, people say nobody can change. My dad changed. My dad was such a Republican. He was the mayor of Glendale. My dad was a celebrated Republican. Yeah. When he passed, they flew the flag over the state capitol. I mean, he was a Republican and he said the thought of two men being together repulsed him. Those were his thoughts and his feelings. And if those are your thoughts and feelings and you're telling me, I have information. I know how to then navigate that. Number one. Number two, he said, I voted for same sex marriage because I want my boys, Greg and I are both gay, to have exactly what I have. And I thought, wow, that's the change we need to see. How beautiful and what a beautiful legacy that he left. But you both have also been so such advocates in wanting all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say thank you, because when I find my right person that you guys introduced me to, (laughs) I will get to uh, walk down that road that you two have walked down.
1: Well, I mean, I'm happy that I got to be a part of, you know, change and I think that there's still obviously so much work to be done and it's been frustrating to sort of see some of the steps backwards that we've taken recently but you know it's uh it's all part of the process I think so I'll just continue to to fight for it as well Justin yeah
0: I have two more things to say well I'm going to make a statement then it is interesting that in this hour Especially in the last 10 minutes, the words out of your mouth have not been, Lawrence, oh my God, we have somebody for you. So that's number one, I'm paying attention. Like nothing. Not If you could just see, like every time I talk about, hey, help me out. know. actually Desi there Trace is, is right. someone I'm thinking nothing.
1: about. There is someone I'm thinking about. He's kind of fresh out of a divorce. So like, you know, I'm, I'm giving him some time, but there is someone that I am thinking about.
0: It's funny. Gregory and John are married. They've been married for a while. And I, Gregory's always been my plus one. Uh-huh. I'm at this place right now in my life where I've never been alone. I've always had my twin brother. So I'm navigating this new life. Uh-huh. And I'm looking for friends. So I will have a drink with oh a friend. good. Okay.
1: That's good to know. If
0: it leads to something else, perfect. That is great. I have worked on my stuff. You know, somebody said, Why are you so ready now? And I said, I've done the work. I won't bring anything other than myself current
1: into a yeah, relationship. Yeah. That's
0: good. I'm also a really good kisser. Okay. So that's that's <laughs> number one. That's important.
1: Very important.
0: Number two, why are you such a foodie? Because I know you love the food network stuff. Where does that passion for food come from?
1: Obviously, my mom cooks for me. I think even she would admit she's not like a mind blowingly inventive cook, but she was really good at like, there was like a, you know, an arsenal of recipes that she really knew how to nail. And so I, I've always appreciated food and sort of appreciated creating meals for myself. And when I moved to Los Angeles from New York City, I was, I finally had a kitchen big enough to actually cook for myself. And I, yeah. I just started, you know, throwing dinner parties and, and just trying things out. And I kind of realized after a while that if things didn't work out in the acting world, I really wanted to, to put myself to culinary school. And then um, Modern Family happened and there was no time. And, but, you know, I, I've always had that passion for, first of all, learning a new skill, even if I'm, you know, in an age where I feel like I can, I, I'm i at capacity. I can't learn anything new. Like, I think that's you know, doing yourself a great disadvantage. So I've, I like that. I am kind of a, a late in life learner and I'm still learning. I'm still doing things not great in the kitchen, but I have a lot of friends who are very, very good. Like I'm, I have a friend staying with me right now who works with Martha Stewart and she's like making cookies downstairs for my, my son to decorate with his, with his friends. And like, I can't wait to like bend her ear and figure out, you know, how she's, you know, <laughs> achieving this with such ease i'd be in a panic for three days but yeah i just it's just been something i've really enjoyed doing and uh i love eating out at great restaurants and that's why you know with my my new podcast i take people to to dinners out at some of my favorite restaurants in los angeles in new york city and you know we sort of embrace the the whole experience of being in a restaurant and we don't worry about sound and we love the the fact that you can hear other patrons talking and you know martinis being shook in the at the bar and you know you hear the waiter come over and Tell us the specials. And we really want the, the listener to feel like a, a third chair at the table. I love that I also get to share my love of food with these people. And, you know, I think it sort of breaks down the formality of an interview, just like, you know, sitting in a closet with, yeah. a, with a dress figure behind you sort of breaks down the formality of an interview with knotted pearls. <laughs> just so you know, I dressed her for you. I love it so I much. I thought,
0: what would Jesse, if I was going to dress Jesse, what would I put him in? Yeah. It looks like a B. BR throughout. I would put you in a red jumpsuit with no zippers because you're busy, yeah, 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 so it would be yeah, yeah. one and done. It's great. Matte jersey, field, pockets, because you can have keys and things like that. Yeah. And an elastic waistband, so you can create the waist of your design. That's right, and
1: and eat. And- <laughs>
0: All right, last, last question. The podcast is called You Are Beautiful. So answer this question for me. Okay. I, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, am beautiful because?
1: I, Jesse Tyler Ferguson... I'm beautiful because I have great empathy. Is that good? Is that a bad one? That's fantastic. You know, it <laughs> that's that,
0: yes, it is. I don't think I've had someone say that. And what I love about that moment is I don't add anything to it. And it's interesting to see how people sit with it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to have people get uncomfortable with allowing themselves, well, I am beautiful because I'm this. And then they immediately try to cover it. So (laughs) to let it sit and breathe, I find very interesting. And to own it, you owned it. You really, really are a very beautiful human. And again, for someone like me, who is navigating Hollywood, who I'm in it, but I'm in it in a different way. And I come and I show up and I'm so excited by celebrity with talent. I'm excited by somebody like you who puts in the work, has gone to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, who pounded the pavement in New York, who is put in the time and the effort. That to me is exciting. That to me is sexy. That to me is thrilling so the fact that you from the moment we first met have always been kind to me none of that ever falls short because if you're doing that for me you're doing that for other people and in life all we want is to be seen and you've just always done that for me and I really you and Justin always and I even on a red carpet when you guys are busy and we don't really know each other you always take a moment to say hi to have a hug how are you yeah And in life, sometimes that's all we need. So thank you for giving me this hour, number one. Thank you for showing up. And in advance, because we're going to use this footage, I want to thank Jesse for introducing me to my husband. Um, (laughs) Who would have thought that my
1: podcast would have brought me to my husband? I'll officiate. I am an officiant now, so I I can officiate. So here's the
0: thing. You'll officiate. And Kelly Clarkson, I said to Kelly, you're singing at my wedding. And she's like, yes. Of course. So we're building building the cast. (laughs) We're building the cast. I need somebody to nail me down. We'll build that cast. We'll build that cast. And then if you ask for it, it will appear.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: So look, when your friend that's going through divorce is available, I will say yes, number one. Number two, please give Justin my love. I will. I will. Again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for showing up today. Thanks for having me. This has been so much fun. Now that was a beautiful ride. And speaking of beautiful... I want to thank Dr. Stacy J. Stevenson for going on this ride with us. When it comes to feeling good, it all starts from the inside out, and it's time for everyone to get their glow on. Now, go out and have a beautiful day. Ready, set, glow!